my spidey senses tingling. The man who's teaching a class in not only trucker hats, but comic book t-shirts this fall at your community college annex. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 109. Welcome to the show. Uh, We talk about industry, news, and uh, we talk about the books we're reading together as friends. And then we'll do a book club. Curtis J. Weeby Tyler Jenkins Peter Panzerfaust Thanks for tuning in to the show uh, we're just three friends that read comics. You know, that's all we are. Just high-quality audio, no crap on this show. You know? Plenty of that running around elsewhere. You know? No, no three, four-hour podcasts about nothing to do with comics. Right? No, no Skype. Listen, we're in the no Skype zone right now, Dale. Strap in, Goose. Get your butts uh, above that Does that make deck. me that uh, bald guy from the tower that gets mad at you guys for buzzing me? Those comedic gems I wasn't bald. come from uh, fanfic aficionado, uh, daredevil historian circa Brian Bendis era. He is the go-to historian for that era of comics. Um, Jonesy's a writer safe to say, right? Yeah, we can call you a writer. <laughs> not, that there, not that there's any evidence to support that, but you can. Jonesy is working on a creator-owned comic that is just days away from Could be days away, folks. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me once again uh, to the non-Skypiest best comic book podcast on the internet. Happy to be a part. 109 episodes going strong. <laughs> I will say we're the best sounding comics podcast in existence. Yeah. It's undisputable. I will concur. Uh, speaking of sexy co-hosts, he's a father. He will be attending our second ever meetup with his wife, who will be pulling him away at 8 p.m. sharp. Hey. 7.45 Central. Look, I need you guys running interference. Elsewise, that may very well happen. Uh, possibly the greatest night of all our lives happening July 27th at Barcade in Philadelphia. Admission is free. <laughs> we can't confirm that, but we're just going to say it's free. Unless Barcade catches on to our plan and decides that we need to book the party room or something. I don't know. It's a good thing a major Philadelphia publication didn't just tweet about it. Uh, read all about it at geekadelphia.com, our dear friends. These guys are amazing for picking that story up. I mean, I you know, it's it's big in our hearts. 
I am uh, Dale underscore A, by the way. Uh, VP of Lisps. Mayor of Neglect. Slim. <laughs> Listen, the music shut off, and I don't know what the heck was happening after that. Uh, what a show we have. Peter Panzerfaust from the Shadowline and the Image Comics. Mm-hmm. You know who works for Shadowline that we know of? Who? Our dear friend Mark Lombardi. Oh. I've met him in the flesh, as they say. As as some friends you would. <laughs> dear friend. Uh, dear friends, we do meet in the flesh uh, several times. But, you know, this is the Paper Keg Podcast. It's about an hour long. We're going to talk about some news, the books that we read, and a book club, and your letters, your actual real-life letters to close out the show. Do we have any news? Any any big happenings? Well, um, considering we haven't slept since the last time we've recorded this podcast, uh, and this show will be in the can for seven to nine days before and it's you're released. editing the show, FYI, fourth wall. And I am editing the show, so I will need that seven to nine days. Any news I break now is going to be completely worthless. San Diego <laughs> Comic-Con will have happened. I can say that this Monday, uh, hours after recording Paper Keg 108, uh, there is a lot of news being broken out of San Diego Comic-Con, which hasn't even happened yet. I found that to be curious today as I was uh, you know, watching my comic Twitter list. A lot of breaking news out of San Diego. Hmm. For some reason, um, they, I guess this is Comic-Con week, and they can do that. My. It's like the pre-show hype. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, thoughts on news being broken before saying it's during San Diego Comic-Con, it's when it's really not. Go. I'm floundering. I'm floundering here. <laughs> I don't know why Comic-Con thinks that they need the help. Like, they don't realize that everybody and their mother is going to cover Comic-Con. You know, they're going to sell out every day. Why they feel the need to break news early is beyond. Uh, I'm a guest. I just want to point out that Dale, I think, set a record for how soon into the show that he admitted that he was floundering. <laughs> I mean, Did, that was like three and a half minutes tops. Uh, absolutely. Did you see the uh, the big comic sales news the boost in comic oh. sales for 2012 T- tell us about it uh well firstly digital comics tripled hmm. in uh, the year 2012 and a, a grand total of uh, comics periodical comics graphic novels and digital a total of seven hundred and fifty million. Wow! Up thirteen. Up thirteen percent from six hundred and sixty-five million the year previous. This is the uh, biggest year. What? What's the uh, specific uh, <laughs> numbers here? <laughs> it's. I. Uh, I like to think it's because of digital readership going up. What do you guys think? First of all. Let me interject. Who is on the Paper Keg Twitter account retweeting the Paper Keg Twitter account in quotes right now? Who, what is happening over there? Who gave the reins to the Twitter account to Jonesy Loves Beer? What is going I don't on? Even, I don't even know the password to that account. Yes, you so do. Yes, you do. 
chaos. I'm going to have to edit this out. I'm going to have to edit this out of the show. <laughs> so good luck. Uh, Jonesy. <laughs> Jonesy is going to wish that you edited this out of the show. Let's talk about digital comics. Digital comics are big right now. I'm not going to lie to you. Disclaimer, I work for Comicsology, and I don't speak for Comicsology or my employers. Uh, well, bottom line, I think it's clear that uh, digital is helping print, and it's helping the medium overall, definitely. There there are no declines in paper sales because of this. Yeah, booming. Print's booming right now. So all the digital naysayers could uh, could be really found to be full of S right now is what the numbers show. Well, but so are they, put but, my, let me put my mathematician hat on real quick. Well, but um, I, I don't know how many digital naysayers there are. They, but, but excuse me, I'm sorry. What we do know is, if there is an earthquake, it could all go away. I right? saw a article where zero sources confirmed that earthquakes could mean the end of uh, digital comics. No comment. Sorry, it's vitriolic. Vitriol. I'm going to be quoting ICV2.com right now. Unless things change dramatically in the second half of the year, 2013 will see the full recovery of the print market to levels above 07 and 08, the top years since 2000. Wow. Wow. Is that the year that Civil War came out? Is that Civil War year? Can we get the interns on that? Oh, possibly 2007, I would say. i got a good feeling that that's the case. I'm going to get on that if you promise to... Fill the dead air instead of expecting to. <laughs> uh, I will say that when did I start buying digital only? I think it was probably when the iPad came out. That's when I switched. That's when I started buying image heavy. So if it was out in the app, I would not buy it print. Thank you. Thank you. It's two two people doing um, double the work. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, and I haven't looked back since. I don't even you know print print comics. Not for me. Maybe they're for you, and that's great. But they're just not for me. But don't feel like an awful person because you read print comics. So I know I Slim say that. has I a tendency of say, possibly say that setting the person. bar, setting cool standards. Trend setting, if you will. Um, listen, um, we're getting huge tiny mistake on the Twitter chiming in also 2007. So there's edit. a slight delay. Now we have three people on it. He also says, someone tell At Slim that his hat appears to be askew. No, okay. that's just no how more. the cool kids no do more. it. All ignore right, Twitter. I'm, uh, I'm going to do the opposite of what Jonesy does, and I'm going to ignore Twitter during the show. Hurtful. Hurtful. Do we have any other news? Good luck at that, that is, segment. <laughs> that's going to be the best news. I apologize mid-show for any... <laughs> uh, Abominations that can are put I, uh, into your ears next Monday. A news item eight uh, days from discussion? now. News rookie coming back. I up. did newt the rookie. Uh, hey chief, uh, this is what I got, and I'm not sure that I like it, folks. Uh, you know Kirkman, you know that guy, Bobby Kirkman, hmm. reporting that he wants season four of Walking Dead to be more faithful to the comic, and I think that is dead wrong. Where does he get off at this point? He's just the creator in the game. Well, look, I'm not look. He can do whatever he wants. It's his own property, you know. That being said, I've really enjoyed as a fan of the comic getting something new every week in the TV show, and I think trying to be too faithful is just going to be a retread of something we've all seen before. 
But, you know, I'm sure the millions of people who watch the show, only a small percentage actually read the book. I don't know. You know, it could, be the, it could be the same people that are the digital naysayers. <laughs> you know, I, what I was thinking about when the last season ended or the whatever mid-season finale, I have no idea what the heck they do. I just know it's not on new right now. But there was a lot of crap episodes in Walking Dead. Like, I think halfway through season one, it was like tr- garbage. There's a few points where it was like unwatchable. And I was I was furious at that show. I think we all hold it in such a high regard, but there was some low points of that show. Anybody else remember that? <coughs> when they first think, started drifting well, like, away from the comic, and people yeah, started the to get farm annoyed. Episodes, well, they stayed on Herschel's farm for like I don't know forty episodes. It feels like. Well, I just think that happened that in the comic. It wasn't that long they were there at the farm. Yeah, I don't think. Long. No, but uh, it's I don't know. I just uh, say that. I just I think they should explore new territory. That's all I was trying to say, fellas. <laughs> Guys. Just uh, if your sigh of disapproval, could you get it closer to the mic <laughs> so the whole internet could hear how upset you are? When is the when's the season premiere of uh, Walking <coughs> Dead, Dale? Can you can you confirm that? That's probably the uh, what Halloweenish usually. Oh wow. Around there. I'm still about 7 episodes behind. It's on my Jesus. DVR/on-demand probably. You need to get on that. I'm not on a. I'm not in a huge rush, you know. Have you <laughs> avoided? Have you avoided uh, spoilers for that entire season so far? I, I have, believe it or not. I, I'm doing pretty good at avoiding spoilers. I managed to avoid season two spoilers for a really long time until Dog Teeth blurted out a ma- massive spoiler. He was probably just comparing zombies to Republicans, and then that's how he found out. Tell you what, yeah. Jonesy. Jonesy Inside hearing baseball. the I, the mere idea that you have avoided spoilers, his pants just ripped off and threw across the room. <laughs> I know. I, I can't wait. He I can't is wait queuing to be. up all kinds of spoilers for you in the fireside right now. Not happening. <laughs> Only one time was I truly hurt by Man of Steel random spoilers for you no live, reason. You live for one sole purpose, and that is to spoil <laughs> properties for people. And that's Not it. true. Alleged. Go to the wiki. Show me the tape. Let's get into the comic talk right now. Please. Um, Jonesy loves beer. You really set the podcast world aflame with your episode last week. You were really on it. Was I? Um, Because I seem to remember some kind of ham-related comments being thrown about. You were being perhaps ha- by yours truly. You were being hammy, and you refused to talk into the microphone. But that's no different than any other episode. But what did you read this week? And this week, meaning two hours removed, two days ago, to one hundred eight. The same new comics week <laughs> as last episode. Have you heard about this book, Peter Panzerfest, that everybody's been talking about? <laughs> Panzerfest. Uh, one thing I wanted to uh, go into that I wish I would have talked about last week is Quantum and Woody. Damn it! Is read that two, one of your books? I read two com- <laughs> comic books since we last Look, recorded. Jody has wiped I can, out Same as me. I can Same so me, quickly uh, talk about East of West. <laughs> oh, man. Cancel the show. <laughs> Issue number four. <laughs> Let's just pack it in, guys. East of West. You guys uh, current on this title? Anybody? I think we just fully stated that we only had time to read two comic books in the time. <laughs> There's no one is caught up on that book besides you. I don't know how you have time to read anything. <laughs> it's been dicey. Okay, fellas. So East of West, if you, if you haven't been reading, uh, Death. We have it. Death. 
is uh, conquering the nation of Mao. They're like uh, the what's left of the Chinese Japanese part of these this post apocalyptic world, mm-hmm. and uh, death comes to the town, and he starts invading. And there's this valiant last stand, and in true Hickmania format, one of the heroes literally backstabs the rulers of the nation. And uh, in the side story, you know, uh, in case you haven't been reading, uh, it's basically about the reoccurrence of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So death, uh, famine, pestilence, and war are all back in the world. And sometime in the past, we don't know when, there was uh, some kind of fight between them and death rides alone with, like, new alkalites. And the other three horsemen are kind of trying to stop him, whatever he's doing. And the big reveal in this book was the betrayal of the daughter of the nation. And uh, in the final scene, the you know last act of the book, um, there's not a huge spoiler. It just says that be afraid. You know, everybody's afraid. Pestilence, famine, war. The three horsemen, these great beings, are afraid of this one human girl because she's the girl who conquered death. And you see at the last page that death is kneeling at her feet, ready to serve her. So it takes the book in this what? total left field direction that uh, that I wasn't expecting. I kind of thought there was just going to be this big world between the four horsemen, which is kind of like a different spin on, mytho- on the mythology. You know, and every other supernatural book feels like they just kind of show up, do nothing, and are defeated. So a book that actually talks about the characters of these horsemen and what their purpose is and... You know, they have feelings and personalities to kind of have to be a smokescreen and it's going this totally different way. It's just you know, Hickmania should just work on his own creator's own stuff because what goes on this guy's head is so different from what's out now. And once you get into it, he really hits a stride. It, it's really a great read. And I, I do think it's something where sometimes you need to sit and read issue one, two, and three all over again to kind of get everything because you'll miss a ton of stuff if you're just kind of flipping through it. But uh, issue four really is just a good milestone, and I'm uh, I'm ready. I'm ready in my heart for issue five. What you just said about having to reread like issue one through three, that's what completely terrifies me about Hickman-related properties. Avengers, I mean, I am just... <laughs> Like I, dr- I'd rather I don't know. I'm in my dreams. I'm swimming through Avengers comics, like Uncle Scrooge would his money bin. I I no idea of what to do with them otherwise. I am just getting my eyes porked out. <laughs> <laughs> that last issue had one of the most insane quotes I've ever read in a comic book. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with We with really could have book. used you, Captain Universe. No, I mean, what she said, if yeah. anyone has that screenshot shot live on their computer, please recite <laughs> please it see. because it just, it made me question my entire comic book reading <laughs> existence. I, I mean, mean I, it is rough. I have, I have certain theories about Hickman's writing that, you know, I'd love to talk to you about over a beer offline. Um, oh, but yeah. But there's just some wild stuff happening in, in his Avengers books that I can't, I can't get a handle on. I can't do it. I I have to like there needs to be a wiki and I need to have a doctorate professor <laughs> talking to me while I read it. And then he needs to grade me when I'm done. <laughs> but the, but I, the problem of finding one that will not 
think less and criticize you for having to grade you. Yeah. A doctor, I mean, professor, I'm afraid, a fake man. I'm afraid of saying on the Twitter or socially that I don't get what's happening in, in Hickman's Avengers and then being bullied. Lambasted. Lamb like Hickman lambasted. He's got a big following, that Hickman. He does great work. We should do the Red Wing for one of our book clubs. Did we ever do that for the comics podcast? We never did it. It's no, good. we did not. It's a great book. Put it, it, in the, uh, put it in the Google Doc. It never ends until it has to end. And then too late to begin. Now is a time for beginnings. And so we have to start. And the start is what happens before our very ends. <sighs> Captain Universe, we could have used your help here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's. it's just a... I had I had like an epiphany when I read that page that you know maybe I don't want to read this book anymore. I think that was the epiphany. It's like don't yeah don't I don't have to try to pretend to be smarter. That's why I, that's why I don't watch Fight Club anymore. The Flap Confession. I watched Fight Club once and that's all I need. Maybe one day when that book is collected, I'm gonna sit down with my grandchildren. I'm gonna read it and I'll have another epiphany. And I'll right. make fun of my young 30-year-old self for being too stupid to get it. Maybe. Either that or you have your grandkids explain it to you. You think <laughs> at the uh, the Marvel retreats, after he likes, after he plans out, he plots his Avengers story, everybody just sits there and around the campfire and just kind of stares at him, not saying anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, John, I guess. If you want to go ahead. After he goes go to ahead. walk and sit alone in his Zen garden. Can you imagine those outlines? My lord. I mean, they've got to be in binders. Yeah. Binders of Avengers outlines. Good heavens. Uh, Dale underscore A. You're the VP of merch. You're hop. You're going to be hobnobbing it with Geekadelphia at our own barcade meetup. Networking. That's what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. What did you read this week? Um, Did, did you want to take Quantum and Woody? Slim, I can... Yeah, I, I will talk about take that. Yeah. Breath of Bones number two. Now, I don't want to go on and, and talk about every issue of this piece of property that comes out, but Breath of Bones number two is worth my talking about. And this is, I uh, last episode when I sp- spoke about it, it's about the, uh, the village in World War II, and the grandfather gives a little child a little... Um, Clay Gollum. Well, in this issue, the uh, German soldiers have found the downed pilot in the village, and the villagers are all worried because, I mean, the German soldiers are coming, and it's probably not going to work out for the best. So the the last half of the book is spent constructing grandfather the elder village elder tells them to gather buckets of mud and they basically construct this clay golem in a barn that's probably three times the size three times as tall as man and god knows as wide as man and the with the implication is this golem is going to come to life and save the village question mark it's a three it's a three issue miniseries and it's really just charming. It's black and white. Steve Niles, my man who just Your boy favorited my tweet today. And when this show posts that will have been one month ago. That's right, you're right. Uh podcast time. 
And I like the slow burn, how it's mostly just a, a character-driven story about the the villagers. There's no action with the golem yet in this two of three issues. The The cover obviously says otherwise to sell the book, but that's every cover of every comic ever. And it's it's a real good pace, a real good story with uh, between a grandfather and his grandson. And uh, I recommend you absolutely check it out. Breath of Bones, number two. Gets the Dale underscore A seal of approval. Mm-hmm. Seal is unbroken. Unless just, it's a book club. I just favorited your comic, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was going to talk about Quantum and Woody, but I thought of something. Are you kidding? Oh, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, I still have it for the lightning round. I kind of oh, really yeah. want to talk okay, about Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, no. Sorry, everybody. But this is relevant to a letter that we got um, last week. The Ultimate Six from Marvel Comics. Did you reread that based yeah. on the letter? I did. We got a uh, letter in last week about uh, what are your thoughts on the Ultimate Six? Ultimate uh, Universe way back when was super cool, and it was as if the Marvel Universe was created in 2001, and it was all real time. It was real life. It was like the new 52, but for Marvel, sold like hotcakes. So in uh, this one... This is the crossover, essentially, between the Ultimates and Amazing, or Ultimate Spider-Man, mainly Ultimates, where they, uh, it's still early on in the Ultimate Universe where all of Spider-Man's rogues gallery have appeared from the Sinister Six and have been caught, but Nick Fury doesn't put them in jail. He puts them into his own Guantanamo Bay. So... They are they're under lock and key. Not even the president knows what he's doing. So he's doing kind of like experiments on their genetic DNA about how they altered their DNA and how they got their powers. Mainly Dr. Octopus and um, Norman Osborn. So eventually they, they get out and they escape. And then the president is all PO'd because... He makes him look, you know, like he didn't know what was going on. So it's he's kind of got a kerfuffle on his hands, and he needs to capture them quickly. And um, Spider-Man is like freaking out. This is the first time that the Avengers see Spider-Man like without his mask. Mm-hmm. Um, he's worried about Aunt May because he thinks they're going to go after her. It reminded me a lot of the final arc of of Ultimate Spider-Man with Peter Parker, and uh, it was actually really good. I liked it. They had the artist that did the prelude to Planet Death on Exo Manowar, Trevor Harrison. Harrison. Mm. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He did that uh, beginning part of um, the Deadly Genesis, or the one where they reveal that there was a, an X-Men team before Giant Size X-Men with uh, another Summers brother with Bribs. But, um, oh, yeah. I really liked it. I, it. I think it still holds up pretty well because it, it's still kind of timely i'm guessing this happened uh this was like fallout of 9-11 where they captured terrorists and they didn't tell anybody they held them without trial and they get loose so now what happens then what how does that affect us like are we kind of bad guys for doing it as well and captain america even gets disillusioned from nick fury uh because he finds out that 
a lot of these villains are just a fallout from them trying to replicate the super soldier serum. And there's a really cool conversation between Nick Fury and Cap at the end about an impending genetic war, which was really cool. So I thought it held up pretty well. Yeah. That's what I remember my thoughts being on uh, Ultimate Six, too. But, you know, the letters and my lack of totally remembering had me questioning. I, uh, you guys have read the Ultimate Captain America uh, miniseries? Jason Aaron and uh, Ron yeah. Garney. Kind of touches on that genetic war a little, uh, a little more. It, it fe- or I'm sorry, it features the ultimate version of Nuke. As like oh, the seventy, yeah. yeah. That was a. Uh, I have to re-download again. I remember really liking that uh, mini series. Oh yeah, that's my stop. Mu- stop talking music. I love it. Sometimes <laughs> I ramble on just to hear it. Oh my god! Yeah. Be- Hope we weren't streaming this on your iPhones, people. <laughs> YouTube's shutting these links down. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I remember from that Ultimate Cap series was that he prayed at the end of one of the issues. Yeah, episode issue three, I think. I just remember that being the one takeaway. VP of Facts and Figures. Patrick. Patrick. You know, we should have made this just in. He'll be at the barcade. <laughs> we should have made it a Patrick Hernandez meetup where we all dress like Patrick Hernandez. <laughs> if this show gets any much bigger, we're going to start doing that. We're going to start renting out ballroom space at our, at oh our Crown God. Plaza. A ballroom. Can you imagine Patrick Hernandez ballroom meetup sponsored by Paper Keg at Geekadelphia? We just give out walking sticks at the door. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the flat screen monitors when you walk in the lobby of the hotel? <laughs> ballroom, you know, the crystal ballroom. Every LCD playing this music video in unison. I would die instantly I want, of happiness. I want to sing it, but, you know, the three tracks won't sync up perfectly, so. Uh, lightning round. Two sentences or less, a book that you read. <coughs> Hopefully, if you had time. Jonesy loves beer. Sounds like you're near death. Please stay with us long enough for this episode. Injustice, Gods Among Us, issue one, digital exclusive. (laughs) I dare you to try to follow exactly what is going on here. But the art and alternate costumes make it at least readable. The Fearless Defenders, number six. Cullen Bunn instilled in me the same charming effect that I got when I first started reading Avengers Academy. If I could fit this into my monthly rotation, I probably would. Quantum and Woody number one. Digital exclusive edition from Valiant. A extremely enjoyable reboot of an already extremely enjoyable property. 
Check it out. Lightning agree. Lightning concur. Concurment. Um, Peter Panzerfaust. Or as Jonesy would call it, Peter Panzerfaust. Earlier in the show. East is west. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't hang on. I mean, that audio of that snort is just something I dream about. We have it now. That's that's all you're going to be able to think about when you're manning the booth at San Diego Comic-Con. Wish you could cut it out, but you're too busy showing customers the ropes. Oh, God. Living the dream. Jonesy, what's this book about? Please tell us. So World War II France was a place and a time and a, and a different era, something we'll never know. And imagine if during that time the premise of the Peter Pan legend happened. And instead of Wendy Darling and Neverland and them flying off, imagine if it was inspired by real-world events as told by an aged toodles to a reporter. Peter Pans are fast. Poons are feast. Peter Peter Pan, essentially. Disrespecting everyone that has died in a war on their Pans local are, soil. Pans are fast, Jonesy. You, you heard it here first, folks. So Peter finds the lost boys at an orphanage in France. And he's young and virile and sprightly and everything that Peter Pan should be. And he takes these lost boys under his wing to lead them to Paris, to safety. And along the way, they become a group of friends. Uh, They meet Wendy Darling and her two brothers along the path. They meet an angry German captain, Captain Haken. You guys want to jump on me for that one, or do you guys think how that's pronounced? Who could be the eponymous Captain Hook? (laughs) You did pronounce... uh, Eponymous. Eponymous? Eponymous? <laughs> you like that? I'm just trolling you guys now. And finally, after some tragedy, the group ends up at France, and they have a bright glimmer of hope as they lead to the next chapter and uh, the full reveal of who Captain Hook might be. I'm not going to say the title again. What? Here's the drinking game out the window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, Panzer Faust. Thank you. All right. Dale underscore A, this book seems like one that would have been your pick. And I can't, I don't remember if this was subliminally one that you picked previously. You threw in the hat, the book club hat. Mm-hmm. Before I started giving up. Yeah. yeah, before you gave up after Granville, I think. That might have been the last one. Or you just said F it. Yeah. Uh, this book, I mean, World War Two. you already got me. Sold already. I love World War II properties. The adaptation and the molding of the Peter Pan mythos into this real-world backdrop is uh, epic. I loved, I loved the characters involved, and I loved the the storyline. Peter was you know, uh, carefree as ever, as I, I mean, I don't, I loosely remember mostly, obviously, Disney's Peter Pan, but it is a, a, um, a long-lasting story 
<clears throat> and I loved the camaraderie. I loved how every character sort of fit in. Wendy Darling and her two brothers after the plane crash. Spoilers. And the the adventure that they go on, I, I, I'm glad I read this in volumes and I will continue to read it in volumes because it was such a, a wholesome uh, piece to digest all at once like this. Peter Panzer Faust. <laughs> <laughs> I, Dale, to your point, Drink, um, I don't know if I could follow this book monthly only because the the entire first volume just feels like the first act of any kind of story and it single issues i don't know if i feel that i would be compelled to read the next one by the end of it mm. I, I mean it's collected on comiXology so i can't really tell where the issues might end anyway but while reading it i looked for those natural beats that would tell me, you know, if this issue has ended, this issue begins. And while they're there, they feel very light. Like, you know, I'm just going to flip the next page and see that what's going to happen anyway. As opposed to some trades, you could tell where it's like, this is a, you know, a moment where you know that this thought that the book's trying to convey is over and this new thought is about to begin. And I just didn't find it here. And I mean, that didn't take away from my enjoyment of the book. I mean, it, obviously, I loved it. It's a, a beautiful children's story already, uh, already filled with allegory and then told in like a real life way to kind of broaden the audience is kind of a genius idea to begin with. But I don't know that I could ever put, pick this book up month to month. I don't know if I, I could just read it that way. I think, uh, j- j- real quick, I just think the way it was collected in Comixology, I think if the if there was a definite... Break. I mean, there was chapter breaks, but it all it almost seems so seamless that you can't picture it any other way. I think I don't think you would have so much of a hard time reading it individually, but it just read so well together, and the chapter breaks were almost so seamless. There was, you know, there were at, at, from the beginning of the volume, at least I remember the uh, the cover breaks where they would show you the variant covers and stuff but I think by the end it's maybe there was one splash page that may or may not have broken up the issue but I think I don't think you would have been dissatisfied reading it individually it just read so good as a whole volume okay you dig yeah I don't yeah I dig I, I, I don't know I think there's just so many books that I just like this just adds to the long list of books that I probably wouldn't want to read monthly, but am happy to sit down and digest in, you know, a half hour, mm-hmm. forty five minute sitting. I don't. Know, I just it continue to become disillusioned in the monthly format for a lot of creator owned books. But I, I I did enjoy it. I I'm just not sure. Like it, I'm not. I don't know. Like this falls into the chew category where I, you know, I really enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. it might be another year before I'm ready to just sit down and read the next trade. Like I'm not, you know, chomping yeah. a bit where, you know, I, I'm ready to to get the next five trades of this. Like I just now downloaded the next few trades of Chew, and I haven't read that in probably at least a year. Mm-hmm. And I love Chew. Like Chew's fantastic. One of the best books being made. I just. Right, you know, get to it when you know I'm in, in the mood, and I think, 
I think this and Chew is probably the best example because, you know, for us, it's been so long since we read it previous. It's just that the, the pacing is so, I don't know, you could take it, but you don't have to keep, you don't have to overdose on it and not feel satisfied with what you read. And maybe that's just the genius of, you know, the monthly books we do read, that formula where the last page is utterly you know, irresistible. Yeah. But yeah, I was kind of ticked off by the way this volume ended though because the that if volume 1 is supposed to be act 1 of a movie, let's say, and volume 2 is act 2. The ending we get for this first volume is just that they find the other lost boy again. And then they all come together and howl like a wolf. And we kind of get the soft ending that Toodles gets to, uh, you know, add that card to the gravestone. And then we're kind of tricked into thinking he's really dead. Um, and that's great. I mean, it's a nice emotional ending. But when it comes to, like, the stakes of what these kids were going through, I mean, there's a very real chance at any moment in this first volume that they could die. I mean, I believe for any second that any of those, I mean, besides Peter, any one of those people is not safe. I absolutely mm-hmm. believe that. I absolutely believe the stakes. But to get an ending where it was kind of like, okay, we're reunited. That's the end of the first act. Like, unless I was going to read volumes one, two, and three, I would never be satisfied with that if I were reading the first volume and then would have to wait a month or six weeks until the next issue came out. That would have driven me bananas. I, but I mean, yeah, I see. I see that, but I think there's definitely a genius in the packaging. How the first five issues and it's like what six bucks in Comicsology. That I think that's an effort to introduce new readers to this, these uh, creator-owned works that are so hot right now, and the the, the marketing of the you know, the packaged volumes, you know, are just sheer genius. And, you know, this obviously probably wasn't, this arc wasn't written for the trade as you would probably think of it because it's such a slow-paced story. It seems like it's just one long pacing. And I could I could see your point as where if this, you, you could probably think this is an act one because it's volume one and they stop clearly at the first five issues, but... That's probably more in them, you know, marketing the book. I, I but I see your view, point. I totally see your point. I kind of view this as a, as a maybe one movie or like one like I don't want to consider it a movie because everyone some creators would get annoyed when you compare it to like I'm just thinking of it as a format where you 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 take it all in one sitting and then that's it. Like I see this as not just an act of a movie but one complete work of a story of Peter Panzerfaust mm-hmm. where like, okay, this portion of the story is over. They've escaped and they thought their friend was dead, and, but he's actually alive. <coughs> and then, Oh, good heavens. Sorry. And I'm then, so sorry. Um, Clip that audio. Out. <laughs> just added I'll try. To the long list, Dale. I'll try. Um, but I, I feel like this is one completed work. And then the next, Work involves, you know, the Doctor Hook character, yeah, Doctor Hook, Doctor Hook. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I mean, and and you can even see that. I think even the next trade cover, and and 
I can't remember mm-hmm. what issue it is, maybe 11 or something, where you, you do see Captain Hook um, appear. And I think, you know, that's like an obvious um, thing to happen. And I'm, you know, I'm excited for it. And I, you get pieces of it towards the end. And even there's one moment where the act of Peter not killing someone, you know, was going to come back to bite them in the ass hard. Yeah. Where I, I like it didn't really like sink in until he actually made the comment. You know, I thought I, I could have sworn I thought that glass was going to break. Where he tries to throw this oh, one yeah. character through the glass. <laughs> he tries and, to kick. Captain and I Hulk did for for whatever reason recently. I I did skip ahead. I actually read um, one of the the Captain Hook issues that's been maybe happened in the last three months, and it really does come back to bite them in the ass. And um, it actually that knowing that ahead of time makes me want to dig in more. But again, mm-hmm. I think I still will wait for the trade. It's like a weird, it's a weird situation with a lot of creator and works where, you know, just not, I just don't want to read you monthly. I'd rather read you as a as a as a collection. And I don't know what that is. If it's about the non superhero ingrained reading procedure that I've been doing for twenty, yeah, you know, right. however many years. And it's just totally different where I now I want a completed story and that these people, these creators, don't have to conform to that mm-hmm. cliffhanger, check back in four weeks culture. Right. Yeah, I think to that, I th- you're absolutely right about the ingrained superhero reading method. And I think it's maybe, I don't know, because even when the superhero arcs are told in six-part stories, you almost, I don't know, I kind of resent them selling hardcovers or trades in in the superhero books like that. Like, uh, you know, Wolverine and the X-Men or, you know, any of the, any book, really, you, you know, volume three, that's going to be like ultimate, your ultimate Spider-Man's in trade with the Peter Parker ones. It, it's, it was just the next six issues in trade, the next six issues in mm-hmm. trade. There's, there was no real reason to have them packaged up in trade like that other than it's just another form of income where it's almost, uh, it's almost like a better f- form for these creator-owned works. Yeah, I mean, like, I bet nine, like a super high percentage of people that, got into comics by reading Ultimate Spider-Man, never read the single issues. Mm-hmm. Their only, you know, first foray into comics is through a collected work. And they were probably bewildered when they realized they had to wait 30 days to read issues. Mm-hmm. Like, they only know the trades. And, and I, like it's just so weird. Like, I wonder if the, the, the business of comics were the same now where these companies would put out Peter Fan- Panzerfaust number eight, Peter Panzerfaust number nine, where they would prefer to put out the works first, like the collections, and then do single issues after the fact. Like, I wonder what that would be like. I mean, yeah, I I could tell you, I'd be a I'd be a super softy for, you know, especially creator owned. You'd be buying hardcovers yeah, left and right. Th- that's My where I was God. going with this. Hardcovers you would in be homeless right now. I'd be more apt to buy hardcovers of like Peter Panzerfaust, whereas just thinking about like what I have as far as like Bendis's Avengers and New Avengers and Mighty Avengers, like I I would I'm less inclined to buy those hardcovers because it's just volume one, volume two, volume three, all of hardcovers. Whereas this, I mean, 
the story and the art, I don't know, everything is beautiful and hardcover worthy. And not that the, those are those other books aren't hardcover worthy, but I, I guess I read them monthly anyway, so I don't picture, need to have... Picture a world right now, Dale underscore A, Dark Horse Comics. <laughs> they do hardcovers first, single issues six months later. <clears throat> Can you imagine wow. that? Can you imagine new, you know, Hellboy? It isn't hard hardcover, to softcover do. comes out first. Five issues, and then they but, serialize the single issues after the fact. I mean, that's but then you're you're getting into like top shelf archaic territory, like what, mm. and then you just stop doing single issues, you know. But that's not that it's a bad thing. Mm. Yeah, Dale, just to uh, jump on your uh, coattails real quick. Uh, I don't like buying superhero hardcovers either, except if it's like a really important story. arcs. Like yeah. for instance, I just got Craven's Last Hunt and um I got Daredevil End of Days both in hardcover. Yeah, I got but that too. Only because I enjoyed those encapsulated stories. I right, would never go get yeah. you know, Avengers Volume Four uh four trade three in hardcover. Because you know. would need to get the first two and the, the right. seven after it. You know? The the collector well, there, of me would start to scratch. They're um Marvel's experimenting now with those graphic novels, like that Warren Ellis, Mike McCone graphic novel for the Avengers is coming out yeah. soon. Yeah, that's coming that, out in October, I think. That'll be, I think that'll be really cool. And the, the season ones, obviously, I I want more of. The, I want all of those really, but I, I think I have two of them. But I, but back to Peter Panzerfaust and the story and the characters within. I I loved the interaction. I love Peter's. Uh, a ability to instill courage into the Lost Boys and how they uh, came together as a team very quickly. And I love the little nod of the, what I'm guessing was Peter's mother, Tinkerbell. Or at least Belle was fit into the story, mm. you know, where, right. it, where it could be construed as Tinkerbell in the original storyline. I, I like, too, like how I, I still feel there's leeway with the character of Peter where these, you know, the the Lost Boys are so kind of elderly at this point where they maybe have told these stories so often that the now the stories that they tell now are so blown up and out of proportion, like where he jumped the 20 feet or, you know, pretty mm-hmm. much anything that he does in this book. In my head, there's a slight chance or maybe even a great chance that none of it happened that way, the way they remember where, oh, absolutely. You know, Peter, and I think it, you're meant to believe that. Yeah, and I think, like, Peter is just, just a regular person. You know, none of the stuff that, you know, they would have been killed instantly had it happened in real life. Like, it's just a regular Joe, so to speak, and that the it, stories have just grown in, over so many years. And probably told over and over again just to give each other hope. And mm-hmm. I think that the the character of Peter in this volume captures not only the fairy tale of Peter Pan as this boy who never will grow up, but just captures the spirit of youth and the spirit of the greatest generation, whatever it is, that that cultural thing that we all have when we think about our grandparents' generation and, you know, they fought in World War Two. Like the character of Peter captures that right on the page. I mean, you feel that every time he speaks Mm-hmm. Every time he stands on a, a retaining wall with his 
you know, his quarter-length coat blowing in the wind. Like, you think for a second that was every young American who went over the Europe to fight is all in that one character. And simultaneously, he's also the Peter Pan that we all kind of grew up reading about, this fearless, youthful, defiant character that kind of not only makes himself that generation, but also makes himself fairy tales in general. I mean, what a talent to the writer to to make everybody feel that and feel it so poignantly in this volume. Yeah, and the the line where one of the Lost Boys was saying, you know, I think the interviewer asked him, like, what the heck were you doing, you know, what were you doing back then? Like, how, I forget what the hell was phrased, but the lost boy responded like, you know, guys not much older than us were going to put their, and put their lives on the line to fight for the country. And we were just doing what we were trying to do to, you know, live day to day. And that was just like, I mean, it hit home because it's so real and it, and it really happened. Like, that's why I'm such a huge sucker for, you know, historical works like this, whether they be real or not. But, you you quote a line like that and talk about the war. <laughs> you might as well just put on the uh, last episode of Band of Brothers right now and just, you know, hand me a box of tissues because I'll just start losing it. I was a big fan of his launch pad McQuack pants, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they were the coolest. Uh, Peter Panzerfaust. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot them in, we might read them. <clears throat> Dale, you want to conquer the first one? Sure. Um, guys, I just wanted to say fantastic show on Born Again last week. Really good show. Really, really good book. Jonesy, you hit the win column so hard, you created a whole new column. MVP, baby. Oh, go on. I, ha- I have to admit, the only solo Daredevil I've read is a little of the classic Frank Miller run where he fights Punisher. But I had never opened my copy of this one, and it was not even on the list. But after reading this in one mega session last night, I'm floored. The book is visually stunning, and the story is so perfectly formatted and tight. Frank Miller on cleanup mode. I do love the insanity of Nuke at the end. Such a bizarre character. He felt like a wrecking ball that existed to blow away everything constructed previously. I think it dropped in a whole other layer on top of what was a very personal tale. I actually want to reread the end because that did kind of change the book up for me. The imagery of Iron Man when he told Daredevil to back down in a single panel, Mm. it was so authoritarian and merciless. I thought it was quite brilliant. I really like that Iron Man armor, actually. Can I just say, who the H would take the elusive Karen Page back as a girlfriend after her shenanigans? Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that relationship works out perfectly until she gets a craving for that sweet, sweet fix of black tar. <laughs> I, it's, I'll save my comments for the end of the letter, but yeah. I want to give a shout out to the character who took Karen up from Mexico. That scene where he just impulsively pulls out a shotgun from under the table and takes out the Kingpin's goons, then provides her transport to New York in exchange for heroin and I'm assuming rough sex, <laughs> along with the comment, You better be worth it. Well 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 wasn't he just a man built for good times? 
If I ever disappear for 11 days, remind me not to have Foggy Nelson as a best friend. That guy was more focused on getting his resume right and hooking up with Matt's ex-girlfriend than putting together any serious kind of search. I wouldn't have been surprised if Matt Murdock had given Foggy a solid smack to the jaw at book's end. Maybe his girlfriend could have caught that moment on her ridiculous camera. Man, David Finn, do you have a mixer? Uh, uh, would you like yeah. to uh, come on the show? Jeez, what a letter. Okay, great shows, guys. Uh, sorry this is too long. Keep it real on the streets. Regard David Finn, a.k.a. Red Lantern 2051 on the Twitter. Well, That's true. Like this, That proves that Matt Murdock is human like the rest of us. I mean, he... The moment he saw the woman that sold his A out for a fix of heroin, he Frenched her. He French kissed her immediately, and then he helped her get over the uh, DTs or whatever you call getting over heroin. I mean, that was rough stuff. And then they're holding hands together as she, as her pale bag dies are thinking about heroin up until the last second of that book. book's closing. Hey, you know, Matt Murdock is Catholic. All you have to do is be... Uh Repentant, turn and the uh, you are saved. That's all you have to do, my friend, mon frere. How about I don't even think we mentioned it um, on the last episode, which took place minutes ago. Was that <laughs> the person heartbeats. that hired heartbeats ago. Nelson was the kingpin? Kingpin Essentially. hired him for that job. Yeah, he, he even said it at the end. He's like, you know, what he mentions that he hired him, but I did not see that coming at all. That's just further muffing up Murdoch's life. Yeah, I couldn't believe when he. Uh, Murdoch. When you were able to put <laughs> Murdoch, when you were able to put two and two together like that, and it's like, whoa, yeah, this whole time you're like kind of happy for Foggy, you got this big job, and then it's just like Kingpin's just paying him fat just to uh, keep him on staff or something he may need in the At future. At no point in that book was I happy for Foggy. That guy was a jerk in this book. Good oh, yeah. grief. I think it was that bad. I mean, come on. He's a guy has hey, enough you, women you trouble be as it is. walking the streets looking for your Matt Murdoch buddy. Unbelievable. Get out of here. What's and he remember doing? when he beat the guy to death with the bowling ball? Like, alleged the third death. issue? Alleged. I, I don't know if that guy's dead. He definitely Wait, did Spider Man, uh, did Doc Ock as Spider Man kill? What's his name? Nobody uh, knows. No? You sure it wasn't uh, confirmed? Nobody yeah. knows. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, next letter. Just saying. Uh, dear Paper Keg. Underdoggy. Nelson. I am. <laughs> I am eagerly anticipating Barcade on the 27th. Can't wait to be slapping butts and rubbing elbows with a bunch of bros. Mm. I have a couple of questions, though. Is there some kind of dress code at Barcade? I heard mention of cowboy boots and cut-off tees in your last episode, so I assume not. But I don't want to take anything for granted. He's talking about Mike Connolly dressed as Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Also, anyone we could get a Q&A panel with members of the flap moderated by me, Jonesy? As a new father, I crave your insights into fatherhood. It probably is neither the time nor the place for such a thing, but there really is no time for the present, like an impromptu Q&A session. Much love, Stephen, a.k.a. Protolexis, on the uh, the Twitters. I would love nothing more than to contribute to the flap in any small way that I can. It should be every man's dream. I mean, yeah. the flap is the podcast for fathers. It's a conversation you'd like to join, trademark. Copyright. <laughs> Pat Nat. Jeez. Patton. Get that in the iTunes description now. Man, I wonder if there's been an episode since the flap came out that we didn't mention it on the mother show. <laughs> uh, man, I really wish we were recording a flap after this. 
Man, man, man I really wish you guys were too. If only that were going to happen. That would be great. You know, enough. there's going to be, it's just going to be a show atmosphere at Barcade. It's just going to be us. It, I mean, it's just going to be me, Jonesy, and Dale at Barcade. Yeah, somebody else on the is bench probably at Barcade, Making fun of each other, having laughs, and drinking PBRs. Who wouldn't want to join that? I can tell you, um, since last year going, I was nervous about a dress code too, but considering the only thing I fit in is the $34 logo t-shirts from Casual Mail XL, they better D-well let me in those doors with my comic-flavored uh, t-shirt on, because that's all that fits me, and my khaki shorts that hang down way past my knees because my belly pushes them down. Hashtag I'll be wearing my uh, standard uniform of black Wrangler cargo shorts and possible gray or dark green plain t-shirt, as I want to do when I go out. I wish I heard any of what you two just said because it was probably hilarious, but your internet was just pooping all over my face. It's like <laughs> Dale's first line was, oh, the only thing I can fit in is... And then Jonesy said the exact same thing, and I probably missed it forever. Forever. Maybe it was your internet then. Just saying. Dale, do we have another letter? <laughs> hey, fellas. What version of Jonesy did we get tonight? Cough syrup Jonesy? A mathematician Jonesy? Kegerator Jonesy? Dale may be the podcast bad boy, but Jonesy is definitely Paper Keg's wild card. This month, this month we get, we get another Frank Avia drawn issue of Hawkeye. I realize that for this title specifically, I actually enjoy the shifting art styles. For some reason, it seems to work with Hawkeye. I look forward to the title under different artists and art styles. Are there titles you can think of that change art styles and not just using comparable artists like this to the title's benefit? Or you do think our style shifts on a book are bad news? Just days away, gentlemen. Barcade 2013 at Panooch on the Twitter. Signed, uh, not Jonesy Loves Beer at Yahoo.com. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I I always think of the change of art as like a total different direction on a title, even though if, if they haven't changed it story-wise. So I'm not sure if I think it's a good thing or a bad thing. I just think it can be either used to revitalize the title if a lot of people are jumping off and you know that, or it's could be used as a, a thought, as I said with a Peter Panzerfaust discussion. If you're having like a thought you're trying to express in a title, you get a specific creator, a specific art style. But I don't know if I think it's bad or good. Um, I think you. I think Panucci, you you hit the nail on the head with Hawkeye being perfect for the art style, but. I can't think of another th- one, uh, another title where I was pleased or displeased with that. I think Hawkeye works perfectly changing up like that. I'm trying to think offhand uh, what other comic I would have been pleased or appreciated the art style difference. I think Wolverine and the X-Men there, no, maybe it didn't. Can, Can I, I throw my name into the hat that maybe I don't like the... Franco Villa on Hawkeye as much as the other film artists. I have Hawkeye in my head has the vibe of that David Aja and that other guy. I can't remember his name, and I'm like a jerk for not remembering his name. But <coughs> is that Polito? 
maybe maybe I don't know what to call that style, but um, Franco Villa's style doesn't fit in with that group. I love Franco Villa. I think his stuff's great. Mm-hmm. And I just maybe I just don't know if it's a fit for Hawkeye. I don't know how else to say it. I think I'm on the fence. I like, I certainly love Francovia's, you know, single panel like poster covers, stuff mm-hmm. like that more than, you know, wh- when you start getting into sequential art. I think it's jarring. It's a it's a system shock. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good art, but it's just a system shock b- because it's not anything that you're you're quite used to. Like that Captain America Black Widow arc he did in Captain in the Captain America Black Widow comic. Um nobody read that. You're lying to me right now. You you read that Captain America series after it did that team up stuff? I did for Frank Avilla and mm-hmm. Captain America Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And then I was like I even Chris Somney did an issue with that team up stuff. Frank Avilla. <laughs> I love you. Don't wanna Cheers. be Captain America Black Widow Take that YouTube You did it first (laughs) I think that's the end of Panucci's letter No sightings No sighting of uh, the rat Scott so far in this episode. He's right inside the fridge. I'm bummed out. If you guys didn't already talk about it, any thoughts on the X-Force movie news? Sounds interesting. Hashtag Liefeld garbage. (laughs) So I recently saw Jack Reacher, more like Jack Reach in for a mop to clean up the mess in the front of my pants. (laughs) A Reacher comic... Yeah, you feel? Found all my Batman Adventure singles last week. Can't wait to tear through them soon. And of course, a B day, whenever it is. Shout out to the face that shines like a light across the land. <laughs> Mister Loves Beer. Happy birthday, babe. Uh, thank you for the birthday wishes. Oh my God, that was like just a stream of consciousness mm-hmm. from uh, good old Dragon Fro. I feel like that. I feel like that was where like. Uh... His opening bits for like a stand-up routine. He was just he just had <laughs> several one-liners in that yeah. email, but then he but then he immediately zing, shuts zing, it zing. down, so he doesn't have to go on, and it's perfect. Jack Reacher is easily one of the best Tom Cruise movies from the last fifteen years. I I really enjoyed it, and I never read the Reacher books. I didn't pay attention to any kind of marketing for this film. Had some just of the read worst. it on iTunes. Tom Cruise movie marketing I've ever witnessed. I I didn't even want to see that movie when I saw a trailer. Please play it. Jack Reacher. Love you. Don't wanna be a player. I think this music should take us out. Let's do it. Folks, we'll see you. Twenty seventh. Barcade. Thanks for listening, everyone. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week, which for us will be like 19 days until we record. Vacation. Slim, have a blast in San Diego. 
please text us when you're in the uh, you know the elevator with Liefeld. When I'm shaking hands with Rick Remendo in the elevator and high fiving Rob Liefeld, shaving hashtag shaving in an elevator. I'll let you guys know. When you're having a beer with Stan Sakai and playing Twister with the Marvel Architects, <laughs> you'll think of us. I will. I, we will be, and it will be super flattering that we are the first people you would text. You know, to bring somehow I forget to include me in the group text. I'm sure. Yeah, well, I just imagine him, Matt Fraction, Recommendo, and Jason Aaron recreating the white album cover where they're all walking across the uh, the street like the Beatles. There, oh, it might not be the white album. I can't remember. I'm not going to send you that one, <laughs> so, Jonesy. I'm not going to send you that Road. picture. Jonesy Road, right there. You go. It. We'll see everybody next week. quite a while it's titled wheeze.mp3 in my dropbox <laughs> how do you uh how do you guys think we did tonight huh <sighs> train wreck good grief. wind column i don't know what was happening with uh google hangout but i didn't hear 90 percent of the letters i think the quantum and woody hot potato took us off the rails for just a second yeah i saw your text uh slim sorry about that i i i panic i can't do anything but podcast so I saw your text and Jonesy, you're and Jonesy replying to tech group text, I, and I'm just like, I, I can't I, reply. I, I instantly regretted sending the text because it was right about when you were about to speak, and then as soon as <laughs> I hit send, you immediately stop and freeze and don't don't speak at all. And I was like, God damn it, I shouldn't have sent it. I'm like, do I type? Do I type and talk now to respond to him? Mm. But I don't know what was going on. There was like, Jonesy looked like he was eight bit theater on my screen. <laughs> It was a sloppy mess. Panooch getting all over my ass for not remembering it wasn't the White Album. It was... Uh, I, I retracted mid-sentence, Panooch. Mid-sentence retraction. So obviously, that's something just happened on Twitter that I'm not paying attention to. That Jonesy's, Jonesy's, uh, Jonesy's on it, believe like, me. Jonesy is on it. <laughs> I am just so afraid of trolls, guys. Jonesy they has just, like three monitors set up. That's probably why the internet is crapping out. He's got live <laughs> streams of Twitter on three different computers... Searching Jones, Jonesy, Chris Jones, and right. trolling. He just wants Loves to see beer. what's happening. I got the uh, the He's got Jim Lynn's Twitter account live streaming. <laughs> I've actually this got a video on his apartment right now. Just waiting for him to make a tweet. This new huge tiny mistake of a live viewer watching huge, us. Tiny, I think I got thirty tweets in my cube, and they're all oh from God. huge tiny mistake. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> That's one of those Echo Rift uh, hangers on. <laughs> The penny, he's the Penny Lane of Echo Rift. The Penny Lane. Do they have names uh, for Echo Rift groupers besides hangers on? <laughs> groupies? I don't think we even have names, do we? Echo Rift groupies. We gotta think. Riftians. Of Echo Rift is a podcast. 
that we uh, know about. They do a pop, pop culture podcast. Every time I oh, open yeah. my phone, there's like 10 new episodes I got to <laughs> decide if I want to listen to. They make me nervous. They have the ability to see every movie the weekend it comes out, and I can't. Yeah, they they have families. It bums me out. I, I mean, Don's got seven children. How does it get out of the house so often to go to a new movie? I just don't get it. It's amazing what those two are capable of. I can barely manage time to go to the bathroom. And they're they are first run films for their podcast. Like the day after they come out. It's amazing. It's a feat. They, I just teach me your ways is when I'm jealous is what I'm saying. How do you do it? I don't know. I did enjoy hearing um Con, Mike Connolly host on Echo Riff talk about Wicked the play. I listened to that on my walk home. Yeah, I have to um I listen to that. I'm just getting off vacation, so I got some. You ha- uh, don't look at your Instacast queue, my friend. You're just gonna you're gonna literally diarrhea in your shorts as soon as you see how many episodes are waiting for you. Mm. I had to park the. Uh, you had to park the subscription. Video- I had to park the video game podcast that talks about everything but video games for four hours. <laughs> um, how about but- that? What's that? Uh, that other podcast that you and Jonesy are always uh, canoodling about? About their donations and uh, secret members only. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh boy, Jonesy, will should text we even me. get us started? I, we text each other middle of the night, Slim. Wake each other out of a of a warm sleep, just Jonesy for the will, outrage. Jonesy will text me at seven a.m. with something that just f- heats me up immediately. I'll be trying in the to feed my son with a spoon and then texting in the other hand. Are you seeing this right now? Are you yeah. seeing this? That's uh, fatherhood, babe. Major spoilers, if I can say. Should I say live on the air? Yeah, they tweeted some the, like a threat to uh, shut down one of their shows if they didn't get threat. enough funding. Oh, guys, you know, I, I think the show might end sooner than you think unless we hit our funding goal. Come on. Don't threaten me. Just, sh- just end it then. Just end it then. <laughs>